The Spectator Economic Innovator of the Year Awards, sponsored by Investec, are open for entries. If you are an entrepreneur-led business bringing radical change to its sector, please apply at www.spectator/innovator. We are looking for entries all across the UK, and our closing date is the 4th of July. Hello and welcome to Table Talk. I'm Olivia Potts and today we are delighted to be joined by Olia Hercules. Olia is a Ukrainian chef and food writer. She is the author of Mamushka, Caucasus and Summer Kitchens and her new book, Home Food, Recipes to Comfort and Connect, is released on the 7th of July. This is actually a slightly different episode of Table Talk because we've spoken with Olia before. But since then, her life has changed following the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. She spearheaded the Cook for Ukraine movement, and today she's here to talk to us about that. Olia, welcome back to Table Talk. Hi, thank you so much for having me again. Tell us what the last few months have been like for you, from February, when the invasion was official. What did your life look like just before then? I believe that the day before the invasion happened, I was kind of pottering around my house and planning on doing some light tax (laughs) stuff. It was just, you know, it was just an ordinary march, a little bit sleepy after the holidays still, I think. But yeah, it all changed drastically. And did you become aware of the severity of what was going on from the news or, or from your family? Uh, I was there. I was, I was, I watched. Oh, you were there? I was in, as in I was there online. I was, um, I, oh, I, I watched it. I watched it from my bedroom. I didn't sleep all night when we got the feeling that that's what was going to happen. I went on Twitter spaces and I listened to everything live being transmitted from Kiev. So I heard those first bombs flying in and I watched the live address of Putin on YouTube as well. So that was uh, hell. And then after that, or, or during that, I was also texting my brother who was in Kiev asking him how he was and if he was okay and everything. So it was all kind of like a jumble of, yeah. Crazy. And you're, you're based in London now, but your brother and the rest of your family were in the midst of it as it was happening. Yeah, yeah. My brother and my, my parents and my huge extended family were all in Ukraine at that time. And forgive me for this sounding like a stupid question, but how did it feel for you? Uh, it, at the end, I remember at around five or six o'clock in the morning, I just closed everything down because I realized that if I don't, I'm just going to have a total kind of panic attack. I mean, I was probably having a panic attack, but I closed my computer and I curled myself into the tightest ball. Like I, and all of every single one of my muscle has been so tight as if it was hugging my bones. That was the only way that I could kind of calm myself down, I think. And I, and I didn't, and, and that's it. And then I, I was lying there for, a, for an hour and then I got up. So I didn't sleep that night at all. And I went to a protest straight away. At what stage did you start, action's not quite the right word, but the, the activism that, that you have now become known for over the past few months, when did that sort of formalise itself? I mean... In terms of Cook for Ukraine, that's it was born literally on, on the day, on the 24th of February. Alisa Timoshkina, 
uh, said uh, that maybe instead of crying, we should really just, just think of doing something ASAP. And because we were both involved with Cook for Syria, she said that maybe we should talk to Clackenwell Boy, who organised it, and his team, and, and try to do a similar thing with Cook for Ukraine. And then after that, Alisa kind of just took the reins and and carried that forward. I did all the interviews and stuff and was the face for it, but all the nitty-gritty, Alisa did it because she knew how I was extremely kind of traumatised and I was trying to raise money for different things, like for my brother and his regiment, and that was that separate from Cook for Ukraine. That was just me kind of like raising funds to find protective gear for them, you know, because on this on the third or second day of the war, my brother sends me a video and he says, or we were on the video call and he tells me that he decided not to go to Lviv with his with his sons, but he decided to stay in Kiev and to join the territorial army. And then he joined and then he said that they had nothing apart from the rifles that they were given. They were just running around in their trainers and and that, you know, normal clothing, <laughs> training on the frozen ground and, in you know. So I, I then started activism that was kind of separate from the food. I was trying to find ballistic vests and helmets and boots and sleeping bags and all of these, even ballistic underwear, which, you know, at first we were kind of laughing because I thought, oh, Sash, look, I, I've, this this SAS guy that, you know, that I've been talking to has found that, you know, it's told me about this ballistic underwear and we kind of like had a little laugh about that because it's such a strange thing, you know, and months later, two months later, he tells me, Olya, your ballistic underwear probably saved this guy's life because it's, you know... Be, he, again, my brother didn't tell me what, what what did happen afterwards, but there were missiles kind of like falling next to him and his regiment. You know, he didn't tell me what was happening at the time because I think he saw that I was already so distraught that he he really needed me to keep going. So he was just like smiling every morning on the video call. Everything's okay. And literally like a couple of weeks ago, he told me in detail what was happening. And that was... Yeah, so the the activism actually is multifaceted and it's still going on. You know, I'm still trying to raise funds. Now at the moment, trying to raise... Uh, well, I am raising funds through my Patreon account. My my dad and my mom, I convinced them to leave finally uh, the occupied area of the Kherson region because there was they started getting threatening phone calls and um, they didn't want to leave, but I made them. But my dad has a uh, factory where they make farming equipment and he has 20 plus employees and he didn't want to leave because he didn't want to leave them behind. And my mom has this little B&B and she also has two, three people that she employs. And yeah, they were just refusing to go because they said what is going to happen to all these people. And uh, I said, look, if you leave, I'm going to do everything that I can to help them. And actually today I had some really good news. My friend, my childhood friend in Kahovka managed to find cash which that's the huge well that's one of the biggest problems there's simply just no cash in those areas because as soon as the war started all of the cash points were cleared out and um, all of the banks would just close and there's there's just a huge deficit in all of these things in medicine in in cash and even though I collected some money through my patreon donations I had no way of getting it through but I found my my childhood friend contacted me 
and he's helping people in the area with uh, me- with medications. And he said, look, I can find this cash for you. And I trans- managed to transfer the money to him. And today we found out that he gave people's wages, basically. He he gave it to my dad's accountant and he gave it to... So 20 plus families in Kahovka today were, you know... And it, to me, it's honestly, I've been so low in the past week. And today I'm just... Yeah, I'm absolutely elated knowing that I was able to help and that people that are supporting me through my Patreon have been able to help as well, which is just an amazing thing. And the the coming together with Elisa, who mm. who we've had on Table Talk before and is also a food writer, she's Russian with Serbian heritage, is that right? We yeah, we have a mirrored almost heritage. She she has a Ukrainian grandma from Luhansk originally who moved to Siberia, and I had a Siberian grandma that moved to Ukraine and, and lived her whole life in Ukraine. So, yeah, so we've, yeah, that's our heritage, kind of a little bit mixed and, and mirrored in a way. And you and Elisa knew each other before all of this from, from university. You've been friends a long time. Yeah, we've been friends for over 15 years. Yeah, we met at university, uh, Queen Mary University, and we... Yeah, we became friends, and uh, once we both had children as well, we became kind of even closer and became family friends. So our parents know each other. You know, we go on holidays together, etc. Like she's a super close friend of mine. And you, you mentioned that the two of you had worked on Cook for Syria, which was organised by the um, anonymous influencer Clarkenwell Boy. Yeah. Just for those who don't know, can you just give us a very quick pricey of Cook for Syria because that's where Cook for Ukraine, as you say, sort of was was born from idea wise. So the guy set it up as a as well as a hashtag. You know, we 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 obviously kind of were inspired by that, so people could cook the food and hashtag it and raise awareness. But also, Cook for Syria became a cookbook, and that's how I can I contributed the recipe to that. So you know, my contribution was quite small in that sense. At least I organized events, and we are kind of following the same model. We haven't got a book yet, but we've got the. Hashtag going strong, over 11,000 shares worldwide. And people can get involved in all sorts of ways. They can just kind of cook a Ukrainian dish and, and tag it. And that's educational. People learn about Ukrainian food and culture. Or you can put a little bake sale, uh, you know, at your school or something and, and raise some money and either give it to the to our Just Giving page for UNICEF, for which we've raised over a million pounds already, or just give it anywhere that you think that it's going to help, you know, any even, you know, smaller Ukrainian charity or, a Ukra- you know, support a Ukrainian refugee or something like that, or or buy a Ukrainian thing, like you can, you can do all sorts of things. But people have been involved uh, from all over the world, you know, so unexpectedly it has become a global movement and even you know restaurants uh, got involved and started putting dishes on where parts uh, part of the money that they make is given to a charity yeah it's been it's been multifaceted definitely a very diverse range of involvement and 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 that's a beautiful thing that you can you know you can just cook a ukrainian dish or you can like throw a huge fundraiser for you, food and the writing around it has always been intrinsically connected to your homeland yeah. and to the family that, that you are now distanced from and are going through incredibly traumatic experiences. Has your attitude to cooking or the food of, of your heritage changed since the invasion? 
Oh yeah, um, yeah. So it has been ex- actually extremely difficult to eat at first. Well, and, and cook. Uh, I wasn't able to cook. There were all sorts of weird feel- feelings that I was feeling when I was cooking, uh, including feelings of guilt. How could I be having joy of cooking and eating, kind of thing? I know that it's, that it's a strange feeling, and I know that it's you know it's, um, I'm, I feel sad that I was made to feel that way by what Russia was doing and and it was quite hard to to get back into it actually because normally cooking for me is extremely meditative and very helpful it's uh, it's my source of mindfulness you know I'm not very good at classical meditation when you just sit down and kind of like force yourself to be in the moment or, or however that happens so that's never been very successful for me what what I have been doing my whole life was was cooking, at least my adult life. And actually, that's part of the reason why I think I chose it as my profession kind of organically happened. I think when I started cooking in my 20s, it brought me so much solace and made me feel so good. It did good for my anxiety, etc. So, you know, I just turned it into my life. I just wanted to do it all the time. But when you're going through intense trauma it's uh, it becomes really hard it's it actually i was chopping cabbage or whatever and cry, you know what i mean like it was it just because you, you as you're right like i would be thinking of my family i would be thinking of back home i would be thinking of wondering whether i'll be able to come go back or not whether my parents would be able to go back so it's it's been really tough it's changing a little bit now i'm kind of finding my way back to it a little bit I think, but I'm also extremely grateful that uh, my husband Joe is a very good cook and he can and loves cooking Ukrainian food. So actually, it was really sweet. On the second month when I started eating again, he was making all of these dishes from summer kitchens and it just, yeah, it was a really sweet moment. I'm very grateful to him for that. And what about, the, again, something you've, you've written about in the past, although I suspect it's been acted out in a very different way now, the ability of food to kind of bring people together under extraordinary circumstances. Cook for Ukraine has, has entirely been about cooking Ukrainian food in order to help those in need. Was that a, a source of solace to you during this awful time? Yeah, of course. And I think everyone, every single person who has hashtagged or tagged me in their stories and showed me, you know, d- during those times I wasn't reposting anything because I just I just couldn't even think of any joy as I mentioned but now having this evidence just looking at how many people have been cooking and and actually really loving it genuinely you know I feel like people have been cooking and enjoying the food and they say oh and you know and I'll just keep making this dish and it is an amazing and and a very important thing because as you say food does you know however cliched it sounds but it does bring us together it does make you empathize with someone a lot more when you know what they or their family may have been or are eating. And if there is a story connected to it as well, if you kind of just get a little bit of a situation more, okay, here's the dish and here's when we have it, you can just really relate to it. And that's how powerful food is really, I think. Yeah, so it's always been extremely important to me that there's more to... A recipe that there's a little bit of a personal story or, or history within it. 
And your new book, Home Food, which is out next month, it's, I think, the most personal cookbook you've written. How's it been putting together the end of that book whilst dealing with this this life event, this world event that, that's affected you so much? I was very lucky, actually, in terms of... Um, well, no, we were supposed to announce the book on the on, in, at the beginning of March, and that got delayed, but I have... Extremely understanding publishers of Bloomsbury have been amazing. So, you know, that kind of stuff has been de- delayed a little bit. Luckily, the book has already been finished and has, you know, been sent to printers and everything. So I didn't have to finish writing it, at least. And now that actually I'm feeling a little bit more stable, you know, and now I'm I'm starting to do a little bit more publicity, etc. But, but you know, the book has, has come out of a strange time as well. I mean, I... I wrote it when my son, I started writing it when my son Wilfred was only a couple of months old and the first lockdown happened. So I wrote it as a, as this like super fresh mother, you know, having just given birth, you can, you remember, you know what, it, what that's like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, in this, in this general, like motherly parental fog, plus the, you know the strange times that was the, the the beginning of the pandemic and and there was this really huge need to to have comfort i think and also again like the the situation obviously wasn't as horrific as now but i was still away from my family and i couldn't see them mm. and i didn't know what, what was going on or how ukraine was going to deal with the pandemic and so the book now even though it was written before the war but I think there's kind of like themes that I explore in my essays will resonate with what's happening in the world now as well I think. And if people haven't already donated or been part of Cook for Ukraine what can they do now to help the situation? Oh just please keep talking about us because you know as always as with any war after a while, the newspapers and people in general just get war fatigue, you know, which is a natural thing. And I don't blame anyone. It's, of course, you can't be in a constant state of crisis. Like we, we have to be. I don't have a choice in that, unfortunately. But other people do and they choose to kind of just stop doing whatever they were doing. But I'm hoping that people will keep talking about Ukraine, will keep the information flowing you know that's if even if you're tired of everything else or your finances are exhausted and you can't donate anymore it's okay just if you repost some stories about you know what's going on I, I I talk about it all the time quite a lot it's really important to keep going I think you know when I spoke to my dad's accountant who's staying in 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 Kachovka in my hometown which which is occupied now and they can't get out now there's absolutely no way to get out it's a scary scary place and you know when the money was passed on to them you know their wages people were crying and they were just people are just so scared of being forgotten at the moment I think and not just in occupied territories I think people's morale is also just going down a bit and they're just like is everyone going to forget about us and we're just going to stay here and how are we going to live? What are we going to do? I think it's important, apart from financial support and, in, in, you know, information support, if you know someone, just 
tell them. <laughs> just just send someone a message and say, we hear you, we haven't forgotten. I think it's important at the moment. In the next couple of months, we we just need to just keep going a little bit more. And then, I don't know, I still have hope that things will turn around. And if people do want to donate, they can still do so through the, the Just Giving page for Cook for Ukraine, uh, which has just exceeded £700,000. But it's making a huge difference and it's still going now, right? Yeah, yeah, no, just giving up from from what I know is um, is is over a million already. Uh, over a million, oh, fantastic. Yeah, and it, is, and, it, and it is still going. But you know what I can tell you? If you ever, and you know, and that's amazing, and UNICEF are going to do amazing things with that money at some point, or, you know, they're doing stuff already and that's great. But if you feel like you want to also help in a very, in a quite a tangible kind of, but even mm-hmm. if it's a small way, I keep reposting on my stories, PayPals or volunteers that I have checked and I know those people that need kind of help right now. And, and a lot of the times, a lot of that aid that's coming internationally is not going to the occupied areas. So if you can donate to volunteers that are staying in occupied areas, please do check out my stories from time to time. And I, I do post people's accounts there and they would be immensely, immensely grateful to you for not forgetting them and for helping them. And your Instagram handle to find those stories and those people is Olia Hercules, isn't it? That's it, yeah. Olia, thank you so much for joining Table Talk and for all the incredible work you've done. Olia's new book, Home Food, is available from July. Thanks for listening to this episode of Table Talk. If you enjoyed it, please do leave us a rating and review. For more recipes and recommendations, sign up to The Spectator's free monthly food and drink email, The Takeaway, written by me, Olivia Potts. Sign up at www.spectator.co.uk forward slash Olivia Potts.